Hey there, everybody. I am so happy to be with you. Welcome to Masterful Living. Let's get masterful. (laughs) We are so blessed, and we know it. Let's show it. (laughs) So we're taking a breath of love and gratitude together, so grateful and so thankful that our hearts are open, our minds are free. This is our true reality. So we're grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. We're grateful and thankful to say yes to an unlimited supply of goodness that's flowing through our heart and through our mind and through our life. We're grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to experience our true identity our peaceful nature, our loving nature. We're grateful and thankful to say yes, yes, yes to living masterfully. Yes, indeed. In gratitude, we are sharing the benefits with everyone as we open ourselves clearly and fully to a class that is deeply healing and deeply nourishing. We are grateful that we are calling forth this collective goodness. We are gratefully opening ourselves to receive it. We are gratefully allowing ourselves to shed the attachments of the past, the belief in lack and limitation, the habits of attack and separation. We're surrendering everything that is false and we're celebrating everything that is real. In gratitude, we're allowing our healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. (sighs) Yes. Mm. So, we're going to begin a new series today. And uh, as always, it's spirit-guided. So every year, Masterful Living is different than the years before. And from my perspective, it certainly gets wider, deeper, more and more beautiful because the more people that are saying yes to a spiritual practice and living masterfully, the more people that we have in our community the stronger the foundation is, and it's being held by all the people who went before, and that's a very beautiful thing. And so we're we're rising on the the consciousness and the willingness of the people who've gone before. So that's what we're doing together. And I, for one, love it. I'm so grateful. I think it's just one of the many reasons why... For me, it's never dull, never boring. It's never the same old, same old. It's uh, always powerful and beautiful, and I'm grateful for it all the time. Yes. So, that new series is Relating Masterful, Masterful Relating. So we're going to be diving deeper into relationship here because remember A Course in Miracles tells us that our relationships are the very best tool that we have 
for opening our awareness, healing our mind. Relationships are the absolute number one tool that we have. So we're going to take advantage of that and do some deeper work in relationships. And so we're going to be looking at relationships by looking at ourselves, ourselves in relationship in a more expansive way. And we're going to be applying the characters of God's teachers in the characteristics of God's teachers from the manual for teachers in A Course in Miracles. And you will not need to have this uh, book in order to participate in the rest of this series. And if you're not a Course in Miracles student, you may just uh, become so interested by the end of this that you, you start to dive into A Course in Miracles. If you do, one of the suggestions I have for you is to read Gary Renard's beautiful book, Disappearance of the Universe, which is one of my favorite books. It's, it's, I say it's the most important book I ever read. It really is because it validated so much of what I believed and that was deeply healing and nourishing to me to get that validation. There were many things that were in that book because I read that before I read A Course in Miracles. There were many things in that book that I had thought but I'd never heard anybody say. And so it was very, very affirming to me to read it. And I just also very much related to Gary Renard's journey and his transparency. And uh, for me, uh, I'm curious. So I'm just going to ask the people who are on the line right now, if you have read Disappearance of the Universe, I'm just going to ask you to press star 2 and raise your hand. I'd just like to see how many who are listening right now have read Disappearance of the Universe. Star 2, if you have. All right. Thank you very much. And, of course, the people who are listening on the webcast, you can also let me know. I appreciate. So, when it, I'll just in in disappearance of the universe. Uh, for those of you who've never read it, I'll just say briefly that Gary Renard uh, records in this book his conversations with two ascended masters who show up on his sofa to teach him. Uh, about A Course in Miracles. And they tell him right at the beginning that you'll be writing all of this down and uh, publishing it in a book. And his initial response was really, even though, imagine, he was meditating one night. His wife was out doing something, and he was home with the dog on a winter night. I believe, definitely it was on a winter night in December. Uh, right in the dark of the winter and uh, he was meditating he opened his eyes and two ascended masters were sitting on his sofa 
The dog didn't bark. Nothing happened. They were just there. And uh, as surprising as that might be, when they told him <laughs> that that was what was in store for him, that he would be writing this book, uh, his response was still egotistical, thinking, well, I think I'm the boss of me, and I'll decide what I'll do. But um, over the course of nine years, he had, I forget, maybe 19 conversations with them. He recorded them, wrote them all down, transcribed them, and uh, that is the book. And uh, and it with his with his notes also, and it it really for many people it clarifies a course of miracles. Uh, I read it before a course of miracles, and uh, one of the things that really impressed me about the book was that in the nine years that Gary had those conversations with ascended masters appearing on his sofa. He never once told his wife or anyone. So the first people that knew were the first people that he submitted the manuscript to. And I know that during that time he had some really, really alone times. You can imagine what a big effort it was. It's over 400 pages. It's a huge book. It's a huge effort, and there were many times when he uh, felt alone, but he kept going. And uh, he and I have become friends, and uh, I told him a number of times in the first few, because we've known each other 10 years now, I guess, or almost 10 years, and that I said, you know, Gary, there are many times when I have felt down, and uh, after reading Disappearance, and I just thought, you know, Gary made it through, I can make it through. So, Gary is a treasure to me. And I, I recommend his books highly. As I'm sure many who do, I've talked to so many people who love that book and have felt uplifted by it. So I encourage you to take a look at it. So we're going to be looking at the characteristics of God's teachers and ourselves in relationship. So in A Course in Miracles, in the Manual for Teachers, Chapter 4, there are ten characteristics of God's teachers. And it says in the introduction to the, the ten characteristics, here's, here's what it says. Uh, well, first of all, I'll say, what, who are God's teachers? God's teachers are essentially anyone who has ever recognized that they were one with someone else or that they weren't separate from them or that they had things in common. And it says here, the surface traits of God's teachers are not at all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly, and their superficial personalities are quite distinct. Nor, at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God, have they as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. 
So you can be a teacher of God at the beginning stages and still be developing. And that's how I feel I am. It says, God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Atonement is recognizing that there is no separation. Their specialness, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching-learning situation is geared become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Now, I, I'm the, uh, the, the kind of person that I really am someone who I believe in the power of aspiration, intention, and goal setting. I've seen it seen the power of the mind to draw to me what is necessary for me to fulfill my aspirations and intentions. And this is why in Masterful Living, one of the most fundamental things I recommend to everyone is write that contract, read that contract every day. Keep it right in front of you. Uh, what was it? I filled out some application the other day. just the other day but I can't remember what application it was and there was something in there about uh, what's most important to you or something like that and I put attaining enlightenment and uh, when I in a couple months ago when I was at the Art of Living Retreat Center to do the retreats in May I filled out a, application, a form for the Ayurvedic practitioner. Why was I going to see her? And uh, was it health reasons? Was it, you know, you know, weight? All these different choices I could make. And I had to put attaining enlightenment. This I keep it in front of me all the time. That's what I'm interested in, attaining enlightenment and helping other people who are interested in doing the same thing. So, we're going to look at these characteristics of God's teachers in terms of relationship and having holy relationships because that's the best tool we have for awakening. And as you've heard me say before, there's a big difference in trying to heal your mind or heal your body or heal your relationships or your finances or the situations and circumstances in the world of form and that's your motivation for your spiritual practice and everything you're doing versus your motivation is to wake up to help others to be truly helpful and what I've learned is that the faster path is when our aspiration is to wake up and be truly helpful. But believe me, when I began, it was just to feel better about myself, 
to stop hating myself. So there's no judgment about where you are. But it, if you can even just intellectually begin to move to a higher level that, okay, attaining enlightenment might seem crazy or impossible to you, but we're, I truly know that we are all going to attain enlightenment, so why not start today? Of course, the miracle says that the whole reason for doing the course and living in accordance with the course is to release the attachment to time or to save time, as it says. Save time in suffering. Save time in, from wandering in the desert. You know, uh, uh, it's... Um, said that one of the reasons why Moses wandered in the desert with the people for 40 years was because that was about how long it took for the older generations who were stuck in their mental patterns to die off and the newer generation who uh, with, with Moses' inspired leadership could hold a higher vision. That's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years. So we've all wandered in the desert. And now it's time for us to go home to the promised land. And the promised land is right here in our earth experience with our families and our friends and our co-workers and to experience the new heaven and the new earth right now. And the holy relationship is the very best tool that we have in our awakening experience. It's absolutely the very best tool we have. And the unholy relationship is usually, for most people, the most challenging part of their experience. So looking at these ten characteristics of God and seeing where we personally are with them. So the first characteristic is trust. And we've been over the trust section and the development of trust in the Building Trust and Faith classes. We're going to look back at it now. It's been a few months. So we're going to look at it again and see where we are. So trust is our foundation. It's the foundational characteristic of the teachers of God. And so we're placing our trust in God, not in the world. We're placing our trust in love, not in the ego. And this is the major turning point for all of us when we can make this turn to place our trust in spirit rather than the ego. So in the trust section, what we mostly focused on was the development of trust. And it walks us through the different stages of the development of trust. And so the first stage is a period of undoing, and the second stage is a period of sorting out, and the third stage is a period of relinquishment. So undoing, sorting, relinquishment, where in those stages of developing, developing trust, we are learning how to be discerning 
learning how to be discerning because our old standards don't work for us anymore. We're learning that the things that we valued in the past have no real value. And the things that have true value, we didn't value. So it's a 180 flip to get to trust and faith. And in the development of trust, it talks about it takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. One of the things the Course teaches us is that all things work together for good. There are no exceptions. Course in Miracles tells us again and again and again that when we make exceptions and say, this is not good, then that exception is the gateway to a flood of separation thoughts. So as long as we can recognize that making exceptions is the gateway and it's where we cross over from living in heaven to living in hell when we start making exceptions. So part of our journey in Masterful Living is to make fewer and fewer exceptions. To recognize when we are making an exception. So all judgments, all opinions are exceptions. They're false thoughts that we are acting as if they're true. And that's why it upsets us when we go into judgment and opinion. All judgments are the cause of fear. All fear is caused by judgments. All fear is caused by making exceptions. And to this, there are no exceptions. <laughs> and I love that about God. I, I think my favorite thing about God is that it is constant. Constant love. No exceptions. No exceptions. At any moment, at any time, we can all go right in our mind to the Christ and live once again as the Christ, as we are designed to live and born to live. No exceptions. All we have to do is wholeheartedly choose it. But how can we do that if we're making exceptions? We can't. So... The number one characteristic of God's teachers upon which all the other characteristics rest is trust. Placing our trust in God. Now, one of the most important things to remember is that in every moment of every day, we are placing our trust in something. We're always placing our trust in something. So we can place our trust in the ego or we can place our trust in spirit. Every day, we get to choose what we're going to place our trust in all day long. So this is why of Course in Miracles tells us if you're not happy, if you're experiencing pain, choose again. Choose again, choose again, choose again. Pain is a wrong perspective. When we're in pain, we're identified with separation, a separate being. So in terms of our relationships, trust is, is an important part, and we've talked about this some, that 
When we place our trust in people who are identified with the ego and they let us down, then it's really the ego that's let us down. And one thing we can recognize is that if we could, let's say, look at the past and see it like a video where you could review the past in slow motion, you could zoom in, you would be able to zoom in and see the moments when we made decisions to place our trust in people. And you would see the moments, however briefly, when our spirit, the higher Holy Spirit self, tried to let us know that is not a good decision. not the highest decision. It's not the most loving decision. Probably those are better ways to say it. This is not the most loving choice. This is not the highest choice. And on some intuitive level, we got a hit. Maybe not. But our personality didn't want to know about that. Our personality just wanted to go ahead and say yes and place our trust in that. Of course, it could be just as well the opposite, that our personality said no when we could have placed our trust. This is why at the beginning of the year I talk about getting in the gap, the gap between when a thought arrives in your mind and when you choose it. So like the train pulling in the station the thought arrives in your mind do you want to ride that train or not this is why it's so helpful to us when we can identify our thoughts and just notice them oh I just noticed I was thinking this I was thinking that and pay more and more attention to our thoughts the ego does not want us to pay attention to our thoughts The ego would prefer that we're all like robots, just just reacting and reacting and reacting. And so the spirit can't be heard, can't be recognized if we're just doing, 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 doing all the time without listening, without clearly perceiving. So one of the things you can look at in terms of your relationship, your relationships are, have you placed your trust in people who are identified with the ego? Did you maybe get an inkling that it wasn't a good idea to place your trust in them and do it anyway and have it not go well and then you blame them And maybe unknowingly, even, you blame yourself. And maybe you can't forgive them for what happened. But if you were to boil it down, maybe you couldn't forgive yourself for not listening to your guidance. So let's just see. Does anyone have, 
does it, can anyone relate to this? Where you placed your trust and faith in somebody and it didn't go well. And you realized later that really your intuition said, don't do it. Don't do it. But you decided to do it anyway and ignored your guidance. Anybody have that going on? Start two to raise your hand and, and share with us. Jen says she's a quarter of the way through Disappearance of the Universe now. She says, wow. Okay, Suzanne is raising her hand. Hey, Suzanne. You might need to uh, unmute yourself on your end. You're so right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, I've had that experience before, probably on more than one occasion, and I would have to say probably the strongest one was years and years ago, the person that I ended up marrying um, there were clear signs along the way that this probably wasn't going to work out. You know, we had a lot of uh, uh, back and forth, ups and downs, breakups and those kind of things. And, and you know, it, it eventually worked out. But they, they, I knew it. It was my ego that really just wanted it to work out to sort of like to win, in other words, right? And ultimately, the you know, the, the marriage ended and everything. So, um it's just really hard sometimes to, uh, and I don't even, you know, in those days I wasn't even like trying to consult like my, my inner guidance or whatever, but it was just that little inkling of a thought that would come up every now and then that I probably shouldn't trust based on what I was seeing and, and, you know, past behavior and that sort of stuff, but, but yet I did anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, the thing is that all things work together for good. There are no exceptions. And so uh, that's how you chose to learn what you learned. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, that, that finding out how it works together for good, sometimes it takes a lot of time and perspective uh you know, to be able to look back and to see yeah. how it's actually worked out better for you in the long run. And um, that's probably where the trust part comes in, too. Yep. And you know what? It's impossible to see how it worked together for your good as long as you think it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Because if you think if it hasn't, then your mind's made up. You're not exactly. open-minded. Yeah. So that's why, for me, I've learned, I have received so much healing and so much benefit from being able to simply say, well, all things work together for good. There are no exceptions, and I'll be shown how that is later, and I can move on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to be grateful, grateful, grateful that everything works together for my good. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would want to live in a world where it didn't? Exactly. How do you suggest, like, if you're if you're already in a relationship and somebody has, um, well, I would just say, like, they haven't done anything terrible, but just just ways where they key ways where they let you down, where you felt it was a big like mm, that was a huge disappointment or whatever. And how do you go forward having trust where you think they may not kind of be there for you in those kind of instances again? 
how do you like go forward with a relationship with like trust that way? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question, Suzanne. So, yeah. mm-hmm. has that happened to you? Yes. Okay. So, when you put your trust in this person, did you get any kind of an inkling? Well, maybe not. Don't do that. You know, it wasn't more like a, a, a don't do that. It was a feeling of like, he better pull through this time, you know. He better show up when he says he's going to or, you know, um, you know that sort of a thing. It, it, it was somebody that, that, you know, I'm currently in relationship with. And it, um, I had to go to the hospital for a, a you know, procedure. And we had made arrangements he was going to, to take me. And, um, you know, and then stay there and be with me to, to take me home. And, you know, about a day before I was supposed to do all of this, he he started, you know, like, well, I don't know. I don't think I can. And it just sounded like, and it was like, well, can't your mother do it? That sort of a thing. And I said, no, she cannot. And he eventually took me. I ended up having to stay overnight, which really wasn't planned. And by the time he came back the next day, uh, it was just a weird vibe, and it was like he, he couldn't wait to, like, drop me off and then just leave. And later on, eventually said that it was just like it put him out of his comfort zone in, in different ways, which was I thought was kind of lame, but, um, you know. Well. So, so there you have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So number one, life is always presenting to us where our attachments are. So mm-hmm. when things bother us, when we have expectations, which are attachments, our attachments mm-hmm. will be shown to us through our feelings. When we don't feel peaceful and harmonious, we have an attachment. So yeah. many things that are coming up where it seems like someone else has pushed our buttons or uh, in some way um, seem to have caused us to feel less than happy. It's really they are helping us to identify our attachments so we can release them and be happier. So there's that. Now, mm-hmm. let me just ask you, if you if you could be more compassionate with him, what would you have done? At that time? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, hmm. Because at the time, I, I really wasn't seeing it like... Well, I really didn't know what the deal was until, you know, a little bit later when I finally just said, like, you know, look, that was really, you know, that pushed all kinds of things for me. And, like, what was up with that? Why did, why, why were you acting like that, you know? Um, you know, and then when he sort of explained himself, I, I, I really, I did not show any compassion. I was just sort of, you know, continue to express my, my disappointment, you know? Were so maybe I, I could have been – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, do you feel like the energetic was you wanted to punish him? 
Yes. Good for you. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've listened. Believe me, I can relate to that. I was such a yeah. queen punisher. Um, mm-hmm. So, as as strange as it might seem, what I'm hearing is that he was letting you know he was struggling. Mm-hmm. You didn't. You didn't like that he was struggling. Right. And do you know any idea why he was struggling? Well, according to him, this is the person that I've been in relationship with for a very long time. And, uh, you know, every now and then he kind of has a little, well, he expresses his frustration because we're not living together. And, you know, and it seems like it's more, well, you know, it's easier with two people living together money-wise and, just time and effort that that's really kind of the key um and his thing what he was saying was well to be there for somebody in that type of way and to you know kind of like sit with them after they've got out of the hospital all that stuff that showing that level of uh support and concern is something that you do for somebody that you live with and to him like to put himself out in that sort of a way um, when we're not together like that, it, it felt like it was too much. It's, it's almost like he wouldn't get anything back for it. Or um, so, somehow that would make him feel like he's in deeper um, and then it might backfire on him or so, something like that. That's really all of, the only way I can understand it. Uh, Getting him do to talk th- about it is kind of tough. Do you do you suspect in any way that he was maybe punishing you for not wanting to live with him? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because the, the few times that he's kind of, you know, that it's worked out this way, you know, one time was going away on a on a little weekend thing with. Um, you know, some family people, and, and he was all in and then, like, bailed, you know, a few days before. And, um, you know, some other things like that, things that seemed like it's something that it was very important to me, and then he would sort of bail out and then, you know, later on come to find out it was because he's frustrated. It's sort of a passive-aggressive way of how he's very. expressing exactly you know and it it took me really like digging and pushing at it to like kind of bring it out into the open you know for him to admit that so yeah well Mm -hmm. you know everyone has almost everyone i know has their stuff you know and Mm -hmm. we we love our loved ones with their stuff and we if we truly love then we're willing to help them with it not punish them for it. Mm-hmm. And compassion is understanding for people who lack understanding. It, we have compassion for people who don't have compassion. So he, he's he got a few moments here where he's acting out passive-aggressively. Mm-hmm. But what's his real motivation? I don't know. Well, beyond, what, beyond trying to get 
you know, beyond trying to get me to the point where I'll say, yes, let's, let's, you know, move in and all that stuff. Um, well, that's it. I mean, that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. based on what you said, that he's trying to manipulate you to move in with him. Right. And and that kind of behavior makes me go, you know, if if you're living with me, then I have to deal with your your potential disappointment on a on a much more ongoing basis and I don't know that I have the um you know, whatever to to deal with that. It's it's easier for me, um when I just when I'm just on my own, you know, and uh you know, and if I only see him when I when I see him or when when things are going well, I guess. Um you know. Well, it's tough. I don't know how people do it and stay married for a really long time. I just really, I don't get it. But Well, I think this next series of classes is going to be perfect for you, Suzanne, because mm-hmm. it's really about like attracts like. Yeah. Like attracts like. Uh, and, and that's kind of so, scary when you say that. <laughs> well, he, what I'm hearing is that... Um, he he didn't have compassion for you. You didn't have compassion for him. You you mirrored him. Yeah. He was trying to punish you. You punished him back. Mm-hmm. And um, you know there is a way to say to him, I really get that you you would like to live with me. I really get that. And I know you've had this conversation with him many times. Mm-hmm. And and say, but when something like this happens and it feels passive aggressive to me, like you're punishing me, you, you would do these things for me uh, happily if we were living together. But because we're not living together, you're not happy to do them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that... If we were living together, I just wonder, would there be more passive-aggressive behavior that I'd have to deal with? And that, that you know, frankly turns me off, you know. Yeah, and exactly. So, That's... Yeah, and just say, I, I really would like you to just always be direct with me rather than passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, but... The thing is, is does he really not want to take you to the hospital? Does he really not want to care for you? Because there are some people that hospitals trigger them and it brings all kinds of upset and, you know, meltdown. You know, there are people. Is it that or is it that he really just was trying to send you a message? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He's a little... um funny about going to the doctor and you know, he's got like a big big fear of you know dental procedures and things like that and and he needs uh a knee replacement that he's been um kind of putting off you know as long as he could and i i think he's getting to the point where he he may schedule it for the end of the year but he's really um i think he's really he's more scared about it than he's saying you know yeah so my what has worked really well for me in my life is when mm-hmm. these kinds of things happen even if i have punished them they punish me i punish them even mm-hmm. afterwards i can still go to them and say you know this is what everything looks like to me 
I, I regret mm-hmm. now that I did that, and I wish I had asked you about it more, had more compassion for you, and uh, I'm I'm learning to be better at relating and to not play these kinds of games. And I just want to let you know I I'm sorry that I reacted with punishing you. I I did feel really upset and hurt and um and that's really not your fault. That's my responsibility to uh not not be hurt by what other people are doing and mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry that I took it out on you. And I I found so many times that when I could do that, then the people could admit what was really going on for them, and it just brought mm-hmm. us closer together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it really, it, transparency, taking responsibility without blame and having compassion, they just build so much beautiful intimacy. So mm-hmm. going back to your original question about trusting him, mm-hmm. it's in a certain sense, he was saying up front that even if it was passive aggressive, he was saying up front that he really didn't want to do it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you could have said Well, I mean, okay. he, he actually he actually agreed but then sort of like backed out um, you know, a couple of days before and because of the, the of the circumstances, it was like way off in Pasadena. You know what I mean? And um, I'm like, my mother doesn't even drive the freeway. Are you kidding me? My my mom's always been there for me every time I've had something uh, medical. You know, and um, but you know, she's not going to be around forever. She's 82. Um, and so, so that was the thing. You know, it was like a couple days later. He must have, or, or right before, a couple days before we were supposed to go through all this is when I, he started having second thoughts or whatever, started feeling um, maybe not up to the challenge for whatever reason. Um, you know, either not feeling he, up to it or, or or feeling like it was like, like you said, he just, uh, like a passive-aggressive thing, like, you know, this, this I'm not going to do it for you. Right. So. But he let you know. Mm-hmm. He let you know. And uh, so that would have been the time to maybe say, I, I shouldn't count on this. I, I, mm-hmm. It would be smarter for me to find someone else, some other way. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you I... know, in, in truth, you could have said, just, you know, just kind of uh, brainstorming about it, you could have said, I'd really like you to take me because your presence is calming to me and it, it would really mm-hmm. it would mean a lot to me to have your love and support. But I get mm-hmm. if you feel uncomfortable and you feel freaked out, then you wouldn't be able to be supportive to me because you'd be freaked out. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll ask somebody else if that's really, you know, what you would like. Yeah, I think in the future that's what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, but if you can do it without punishing him, mm-hmm. because he's he's not doing exactly what you'd like. Because it's yeah. very rare in any relationship that the partner does everything you would like. <laughs> True. It's just very rare. So we have to 
say, well, he does all these things, but not that. Right. Yeah. I think this was before I knew about Uber. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, Uber came into my mind too. So there you go. Yeah. Uh huh. And Uber is is great. Yeah, yeah. I've used it a couple I, of times. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all very right. much. You're welcome, and thank you for your example. I know we all learned a lot from that. Thank you very much. Thanks. All righty. Bye for now. Okay, I'm going to mute myself again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, so that was a really good example for all of us of uh, learning about putting our trust in a person who's identified with the ego for the moment and how we get intuition, but our ego wants to push ahead because we want what we want. And then we get upset. We blame the other person because they haven't done what we thought they would do. But if we were paying attention really to our thoughts, we would recognize that we had had a clue. Whether it was a little clue or a big clue, we had a clue that they they may not be trustworthy in that moment. So for us in this trust in relationship, are we trustworthy? Do we keep our agreements? Do we keep our agreements with ourselves? To me, that is one of the most challenging aspects of being a human being is to even just keep our agreements with ourselves. And uh, I have sat with counseling clients who have been so upset that they, uh, the people in their lives were not keeping their agreements with them, but when we dug just under the surface, not even under the surface, right on the surface, it was very clear that they did not keep their agreements with themselves. So people were mirroring back to them their own way of being because like attracts like. And Suzanne's beautiful sharing is a great example of, you know, he doesn't have compassion, she she doesn't have compassion, He's being passive-aggressive, and and then she's being passive-aggressive in her way. And so that and that's how most of us are in relationship, and we're spiraling upward. But to me, 99% of the healing is in the awareness of what we're doing, cultivating the awareness of what we're doing so we can recognize it as we're doing it and choose something else, make a higher choice. So placing our trust in the ego is invariably going to lead to disappointment. So Suzanne was sharing that she was disappointed, and disappointment comes with expectation. When we have expectations, expectations are a... Disappointment waiting to happen. Expectations are a disappointment waiting to happen.
Does anybody have any questions about uh, any of this? Anybody have uh, some ahas that are happening? Some insights that they'd like to share? Star two to raise your hand. All right. So the second character, oh, we've got Laurie raising her hand here. Hey, Laurie. Hey, Jennifer. I actually am in a store purchasing something almost, uh, but I had an amazing um, experience, and I so appreciate Suzanne's share because um, my intuition was screaming loudly in my 20s to not marry my first husband, and I did it twice. I had a second husband, too. <laughs> anyway, um, this weekend, my housemate, um, she's, I don't know, I don't like to label people, but she's, I guess it's passive-aggressive. It's, it, it's, yeah. very, it's very covert how she's mean to me. And, you know, she's like, um, anyway, we had a plumbing issue this weekend, and um, it turns out there was roots in the main that caused the second, on a third-story house, caused the um, all of the water to flow out of the second story toilet into the living room onto a custom something something rug that when it gets wet it gets stained and it's ruined right. and she covertly was blaming me um, hi Marta um, let me be with this lady real quick and purchase how much are no 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 <laughs> so I'm going to go back to where I was, and sorry about that, Lori, but we don't do that in class, the multitasking and sharing. So I love when you share. We all do, and uh, but that's uh, – we're going to move to the honesty is the second characteristic of the teachers of God, and – it begins with all other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. So just to make sure, <laughs> if you didn't get that in what it says in the development of trust section, all other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. And it says once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. So now honesty and I love this because honesty is not what you think it might be in terms of A Course in Miracles. It's really beautiful, and the section is not long. So I'm going to uh, read it all here, and we're going to break it down. All other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. And honesty, excuse me, only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. The term actually means consistency. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus tells us here that honesty actually means consistency? Sit with that for just a moment because to me it feels so beautiful. Being honest, being honest is being truthful, being in alignment with truth. To be honest is to be in alignment with truth. To be honest is to be consistent. To be consistent 
consistently loving, consistently compassionate, consistently patient, consistently kind, consistently generous, consistently your God self. That's what real honesty is. Honesty is truthfulness, and that is the truth. That it is our very nature to be loving, kind, compassionate, generous, patient. I just love that about this teaching on honesty. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word, and no word lacks agreement with another. Such are the truly honest. So, let's look at this here. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. Now, I, I don't know about you, but one of the most challenging things for most people is to have everything that they say and do consistent with what they think. It's very common for many people to be duplicitous, to be two-faced. Say one thing and do another. Say one thing and mean another. Many, uh, many times, uh, well, actually Suzanne's experience is a great example of uh, two people saying one thing but meaning another. There's so many ways in which we do that. We say one thing, but we mean another. We do one thing, but we mean another. That's not being honest. That's not being consistent. It's when no thought opposes any other thought. Now, what does that mean? No thought opposes any other thought. When we are consistently loving, then no thought we have is in opposition to our loving thoughts. And if we're consistently loving, we're going to be consistently peaceful, consistently prosperous, consistently beautiful, consistently harmonious, and on and on and on. When we're consistently loving, we're going to be consistently peaceful. As long as we're consistently loving, we will have no thought that opposes any other thought. All thoughts will be aligned with love. The reason why we feel upset or feel irritated or frustrated is because we're thinking unloving thoughts. We're not being consistent with our true nature. So our true nature, our true essence is love. When we're not congruent with love, we feel upset every single time. Every single time. That's the divine alarm clock going off, showing us that our thoughts are not consistent, that we're not being honest. And it says, no act belies your word. So in other words, nothing you do is incongruent with your word, with what you say. You do what you say. You say what you're doing. Everything is in alignment. That's honesty. 
And no word lacks agreement with any other. No word is opposing. So you're always consistent in everything you say. Consistently loving. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Because your true nature is love, when you have unloving thoughts, you're at conflict with yourself. This is A Course in Miracles 101. That all conflict arises from what you say you want, which is peace and love and happiness and harmony and abundance and prosperity is incongruent with what you do. Therein lies all conflict. All conflict. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. So when you're not conflicted internally, you won't be conflicted externally. So any sense of feeling externally in conflict, it all comes from inside. If if you didn't if you had complete peace and harmony inside, this total honesty, I truly know you could walk through a war zone and not feel conflicted. You would notice the conflict around you, but you yourself would not be in conflict. You could be in the middle of a war, you would not be in conflict. you would not feel afraid. Fear is the natural result of being conflicted. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. So let's look at this in terms of relationship. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. So I'm inviting you to think about in your relationships where you might feel conflict in your relationships. Maybe someone where it seems like you're in conflict with them. Seeing if you can identify a relationship where you you're having that experience in any way do you have a wish to deceive them is there something you don't wish them to know is there something you don't wish them to know
Remember, A Course in Miracles tells us that there are no private thoughts. No private thoughts. Which means we're all sharing the one mind. We all have one mind. So how can we possibly have private thoughts? Where are you going to put your private thoughts? Where are you going to hide them? It's not possible. So if we're wishing to deceive someone we share the same mind with, we must have lost our mind, lost touch with true reality. Or we must be firmly convinced that separation is real, it exists. So we're deceiving ourselves. And then we're going to be at war with ourselves because we're deceiving ourselves. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception. And self-deception is dishonesty. So when we tell ourselves that it's possible to have private thoughts, that we can have these The moderator has left the conference. Sorry about that. My internet went down. So, just continuing on here. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is honesty, dishonesty. <laughs> there is no challenge to a teacher of God. Challenge implies doubt and the trust on which God's teachers rest secure makes doubt impossible. Therefore, they can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed, succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world, and all the things in it, for the unchanging and unchangeable beyond appearances and for the Son of God and his Creator. How could they not succeed? They choose in perfect honesty, 
sure of their choice and as of themselves. Sure of their choice as of themselves. So this is what we're going for. Now, looking at ourselves in terms of relationships, This honesty, meaning to be really congruent with love and to have no conflict within, which would be dishonesty. So remember, going back to honesty is truth and it is consistency. To hold this as part of your spiritual practice is life-changing. I can attest to this to really desire to be consistently loving, to be consistently honest. It doesn't mean you have to say everything that you think. You you can start with consistency of behavior. I mean, actually, we're starting with consistency of thought as our goal because our behaviors are indicative of our thoughts. But if our thoughts are not congruent with love, we can at least observe that and make our behaviors consistent with it. So this is why, of course, the miracle tells us that the slightest frustration or irritation is evidence of hatred and rage, even the slightest irritation and frustration. But the thing is, is there's no big or small in God, so we don't have to say, oh, this is an expression of rage and rage is horrible and so I'm horrible because I have irritation and frustration. It's just recognizing that if you say, well, I was only mildly irritated, so that's no big deal. It's not that it's a big deal or a small deal. It's just either way, whether it's a huge raging inferno of anger or it's a small irritation, it's an indicator that your thoughts are not loving and you can change your mind. That That's what the teaching of A Course in Miracles is, is to really understand. Just keep going for consistency. Keep going for it. Keep going for it. And when you're not consistent, notice it. And in noticing it, return to consistency by returning to love. So this is what uh, I was teaching in the forgiveness classes was I realized that if I could forgive myself right away then for any errors that I made, then right away there was more love being expressed in the world than if I had never made the error in the first place. So that's how we get to consistency. You know, with if you're going to train anybody any living being on this planet, one of the most helpful tools we have is to give positive feedback when people are doing well. Positive feedback and and compassion and encouragement when people are not doing well. These are two wonderful tools that we have to help people and support them. So we can do that with ourselves, that whenever we find we're inconsistent, that we're in conflict, that we're in essence being dishonest, not truthful, then we can have compassion for ourselves and immediately begin practicing what we aspire to, 
And I think that that is most, one of the most wonderful things about this world is that if we just were mean and aggressive and manipulating and controlling, we can now have love and compassion for ourselves and then start sharing it out, taking responsibility, having compassion for people who reacted to us. And, uh, it's so beautiful and so powerful the way we can quickly ripple out love as soon as we make that turn. Because making that U-turn is really what it's all about in terms of developing trust and faith, consistency, and honesty. All right, we've got a few people raising our hands here. And so, Lori, I know you'd like to finish your story, so I'm going to call on you first. Hey there, Lori. Hang on a second. My computer's frozen. If I can get it to reload. Oh, maybe the Internet's still down. Let me see if I can find another way. Yeah. Okay. Let's try this. Okay, the internet is down. Give me a moment. That's unusual. Doesn't happen very often. that goes down so long. Oops. Almost there. Hang on a second. Okay, Lori. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> I do, yes. Yay. Hi, everyone. Oh, my goodness. So my my story is a, an acknowledgement, again, to you, Jennifer, and everyone in our community and just the practice that we're doing and walking through talk and um, living in love. I have a very um, – because of my practice, I'm – like walking through the chaos and what you were talking about, walking through the war zone, and it's not affecting me, but it does um, um, it, it, I used to do a, a meditation practice, and my teacher was calling it sometimes we get whacked, <laughs> so you have to fix your aura <laughs> and I don't you know really do that anymore. I just trust in God and and what I what I've been getting is is um, yeah I trust in God, but do I trust myself to to follow the the voice within that speaks for God? And I'm doing it, and it's not tiring, but it is challenging because um, 
No, there's no challenge. It's I guess it's just about remembering. So so this flood happened with the um I, I went upstairs to take a shower Saturday morning and um when I came downstairs which the stairs are carpeted and it's, and then my housemate and landlady has marble in the next second floor and a half bath. And I I was so happy. I was going to go to a seven year my seven year old girlfriend's birthday party, <laughs> and and I came trotting down the stairs. And I never I don't ever remember doing this, but I hopped off the last stair and I plopped right into a puddle of water. And I went, oh my god, what what the heck? And and my housemate had already left me plunging that toilet because I said it, it it only had like about two cups of water in the bowl. Fast forward, um, 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 the water from my shower came out of that toilet because there was roots in the main and the water could not go anywhere else except for out that toilet. So, so, but in the meantime, it went, it went down the, the stairs to the sunken living room to this custom rug that when it gets wet, it gets stained and it's ruined. And, and, and she, when I came home, I text messaged her and I, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I plunged the toilet. It didn't, you know, whatever. Um, and I took a shower, and the next thing you know, the toilet overflowed. Um, you know, maybe let me know. I'll be back later this afternoon. Let me know if I can help you in any way. And she text messaged me back a couple hours later. I'm at the birthday party, and and she said that she was going to have a plumber. Don't use any water. We're going to have a plumber come at 7. So... She um, had someone come, and I I got home, and I could see that she'd used the dishwasher because she put my stuff on my little portion of the counter that I, I get to call my own, and um, and I, so I'm calling for her, and she's not like responding, so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I started fixing. I'm still not going to use the water. Not for sure what's going on, and um, so she comes downstairs briefly, and she's not. She, she's very. She's not in relationship with me except for that I'm a tenant, and that's fine, okay? So um, she just briefly says, I, I had the plumber come. He flushed all the toilets. There's nothing wrong. But she does never leaves it open for conversation. So I just, you know, I just stay in my heart as much as I can and, and just try to understand how I can communicate back in a way that's positive and forwarding the conversation, if there could be a conversation. And... So I just said, gee, that's interesting. Um, okay. And then she turns around, literally turns on her heel to turn around to leave the kitchen. And as she's leaving the kitchen, her back is at me and she says, the blah, blah, blah custom rug, because there's a specific name for the type of rug it is, and I don't, I'm not privy to, I don't know, understand that carpet. But anyway, you know, it's a beautiful carpet, whatever. But she says, the blah, blah, blah carpet, Custom carpet is ruined. And I noticed that the carpet was out of the living room because it's a marble floor and she had this area rug there. So, um, and she she dashes upstairs to where her room is. And I'm just like, leaves me just standing there. And she does this to me all the time, just drops a bomb and leaves me standing there. And I can't, like, chase after. I mean, it's not, I know it's not going to work for me to chase after. So I'm thinking this is the passive aggressive, I guess. And, and the co- covertly, she was blaming me. In other words, the carpet's ruined, and there's nothing wrong with the toilets. You're responsible for flooding my house. You know, I mean, that's what I felt. 
So I go, I fix my salad. I, I hadn't eaten yet. So around 8 o'clock at night, I go in my room, and I'm typing up some notes in my defense. I'm like, wow, I went in the bathroom this morning, and I saw she has a decorative plunger, like it's a decor. And then she Lori, would you mind if I interrupt you? Um, well, just let me just fast forward then, because so, no, because I, here's the punchline. So, so that I just was typing notes on what I had observed and and trying to, and so then I get the text message, "Are you awake?" So I I just was like, "Oh no!" And a little bit of fear came over me, and then I thought, "No, I'm praying to the Holy Spirit to, to shine the light and love in this situation." And I didn't text her back. I went straight upstairs, and I said. And she was bailing out the toilet again. So she said, um, I, I ran my shower, I flushed my toilet from upstairs, and this toilet overflowed. So I think there's roots in the main. She says, I'm sorry. I said, how can I help you? I just kept moving forward. How can I help you? And I helped her bail. And that was it. And now I've decided I need a break from living at my friend's house um, down the road this week. They're not home. They're out of town. And I'm just like amazed at there's a turning point for me that I'm trusting myself to trust God. Like in other words, I know I can trust God and have faith in God, but I wasn't owning it. And now I'm just turning to the Holy Spirit to live in the love and walk it and walk the talk and just not shove this angst down because my my ego is clearly upset and churning stomach and like oh my god I think I need to move from this place but on the other hand maybe it's a good um, relationship for me to keep practicing thank you for letting me share that bit yeah exactly exactly because what I hear in your story I mean Congratulations to you for having the trust and uh, walking the talk. And it does sound like, and, and this is no criticism of you at all, but you, you could have moved to compassion, it sounds like, earlier, but she was so threatening. That you, well, tell me, tell me how you see how I could have done that. Chase after? I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I don't know that you have to chase after her, but to well, and how do you know that I how do you know that I don't have any compassion because I do have compassion for her because I know she's hurting, and 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 um, for her to say she's sorry and I've been living there since April is a huge big deal because she's been wrong before being mean to me and she doesn't apologize she just she doesn't care. She doesn't have it in her to care. She didn't even text me that the plumber had come and that they, it was fixed. Yesterday she said, Saturday she said, I'm going to have the plumber come out on Monday. That's why I moved out Saturday night because I couldn't use the water, so I'm going to be comfortable in my friend's house. And 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 um, she didn't. She had the plumber, the, the Roto-Rooter guy, the real plumber, come out on Sunday, and the, the wa- that's when the dishwasher was fixed. Yesterday, when I came home to get some more stuff, and I go, "Oh, you you fixed the the plumber came," and she's like, "Yeah." 
I wasn't I, saying I, that you don't have compassion for her. I I wasn't saying that at all. She didn't even bother to tell me that she had it done 24 hours sooner than she had promised that it was going to be Monday. It's just, that's my experience. That's, yeah, that's the thing. People are going to do things that feel unkind. They're going to do things that don't make sense. They're going to do things that seem thoughtless. They're going to but be I didn't even, yeah, but I didn't even make a big deal about it. I was just like, wow, how interesting. And, yeah. Huh? Okay. But so tell me what you see that there wasn't compassion is what I'm wondering. And I'm not being defensive. I'm just curious because I want to know what you what you what you saw that you would say that so I can learn more. Well, I, I'm going to be brief here because we've got several other people raising their hands. Okay. So it felt to me that in the telling of the story that, and again, this is no criticism. I, I get that what you're telling us is that you are being more loving, more compassionate than you've ever been. I, at least that's what my perception of what you're telling mm-hmm. us is. Mm-hmm. And you're celebrating that and you're grateful for that. And, and I'm just saying that it, because to me, you're also interested in taking it up a notch that being compassionate isn't just in what we say and what we do, it's in how we hold it in our mind. So without criticism, without attack thoughts, without thinking she should have done this, she should have done that, they're just looking for those places to have even more compassion. And it's interesting because I was holding all of that, and I think it's okay just to... To, to use it to think for the right yeah, thought. exactly. And so one so, of the things you might do is just listen to the recording of tonight's class and just see, can you discern any places where you could still have more compassion? Just to see what you feel. And I appreciate you telling us the story, and I celebrate that you're learning and you're teaching her and it does sound like you're in the perfect place for your growth. For my what? Growth. Your growth. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I am going to go to uh, Shelly here and and we're almost at time so I'm going to ask Shelly and then Jenny to see if you can be lasered. Shelly? Um, hi, this is Shelly from Oklahoma City. Hey. Hi, Jennifer. Um, I just wanted to say really quick that um, when you talked about the conflict and being honest with yourself, and um, that's where I've been for a very long time, trying to be honest with myself about a relationship and um that I'm no longer in, that I really suffered from the discomfort of not being able to be honest. And I didn't know any way to get to where I could be honest with myself. It was a long journey. Yeah. And I, um, I'm i not sure what I could have done different, um, trying to really just keep placing it on the altar because there's still um, sadness about it. But... Um, 
just trying to be at peace because it just kind of dissolved without much effort on either of our parts. But I was in constant conflict about whether I should stay in it or not or even re-enter it because we had broken up so many times. And anyway, yeah. I know we're out of time, so I won't, I won't carry on. I just wanted to add that that conflict was a big deal for me. Yeah, and does does this conversation feel like it's helpful to you in terms of recognizing that conflict more and why the conflict went on and on? Um, yes, I do in recognizing that. Hmm, that's a good question. I'm not sure if I can truly understand the conflict at this point, except that I think I was in a lot of fear. I... And I'm not really sure. Maybe I was afraid of hurting him. Maybe I was afraid that I was um, making a mistake if I got out of it because he's such a good guy, and um, I know that. So I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, so being in conflict because what you say and what you do are not in alignment with your thoughts and that your thoughts are not in alignment with each other. Yes, yes, and I did start recognizing that um, I would do things or say things or be with him when I really didn't want to, and then when I was out of his company, I was a lot more relaxed. So, yes. Yes, there you go. So, and so that would put you in conflict. Yeah. Yes. I'm You're starting, starting to sleep, to sleep better? better? Sleep better and still better physically, not having all the internal stomach distress. Beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Shelley. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right, and we've got Jenny here. Hey, Jenny. Hi, Jennifer. Um, so, yes, I'll be super, super lasered as much as possible. My, um, when I experience the conflict, um, the feeling of uneasiness, it's when I'm trying to people please because I'm afraid that a conflict is going to arise. And so I know I, I've, I've definitely identified it and I identify it every time. I guess I, to, to break it, I, I just would like some help with a willingness statement so that I can, I can do the work and, and, start to manifest the the change. So you notice that you go into people-pleasing? Yes. Because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings um, from, because I don't want to experience conflict. (laughs) It's kind of, I guess it kind of repeats itself over and over again in many cycles. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, one of the things is that when we are trying to people please so that we don't hurt people's feelings, there are some assumptions that are being made. And okay. and this is a longer conversation. It will be very helpful to the whole group. I would like to ask you, Jenny, during the week to look at and then and then we can talk about this next week. What are the assumptions that we make when we're people-pleasing? 
Okay. I'm writing so it down. Can, yeah, so you can observe yourself throughout the week that what are the assumptions that you're making when you people please. Okay. All right, awesome. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so you can see how rich this is that living with um, a rather masterful relationships, embodying these characteristics of the teachers of God can really support us in having holy relationships with everyone in our lives. Everyone in our lives. And I'm inviting you in this week to really look at where you place your trust all throughout the day. And you will know by how you feel where your trust is being placed. And then paying hyper attention to your consistency. Are you consistently loving? If you're not consistently loving, do you notice that you feel there's a conflict? You have the power to end the conflict by returning to love and being able to be transparent, authentic, taking responsibility. These are the tools that we have to get there. And most of us have not really had these characteristics and these qualities of transparency and authenticity and uh, willingness and taking responsibility. We haven't seen them modeled very well. So we don't know what they look like. But you know what they feel like is they feel like self-love. Self-love. And let me just say that it is so easy to love someone who loves themselves. The more people love themselves, the easier they are to love. You know, one of the things I notice about my nephew is he is so adored, my nephew Mikey. He's adored by every member of our family, literally. He is adored by all of us. <laughs> and he's the youngest member of our family. And I will, like, I dropped, I picked him up from a friend's house. The first time he was having, he was 10 years old, having a play date with a friend. And the mother said to me, she said, Oh, my God, my son has been looking forward to this play date ever since it was set. He dreamed of having a play date with Mikey. He he just has been wanting to do this for so long. Today was such a special day for him. They had so much fun. Thank you, thank you for, you know, participating in it, just even by picking him up. She said, just please let his parents know how happy and grateful we are that Mikey came to play today. You know, and uh, because Mikey just loves himself. It never would occur to him not to because everyone around him adores him. And the thing that we can do, and this is the thing that I'm learning to do, is realize that all of life adores me and loves me. As long as I adore and love myself, I can feel it. It just takes my willingness to receive it and to allow it in order to feel it.
This is what we're going for so that we really can be that fulcrum point of healing, that that turning point of healing in our family and in our workplace. And what I can tell you is that uh, perhaps we can do this next week, is to have more people who are a couple years along and doing this work in Masterful Living share some of their experiences because it's really amazing how much people's lives change when they're willing to do this work and to be consistent, to be consistently loving. It's the hardest thing any of us do, and it's the most rewarding and beneficial. And the good news is that unlike a lot of other things, you know, they say once you learn to ride a bike, you never forget. And uh, maybe that's true, but you might still uh, have balance issues or strength issues later and have trouble riding a bike. But when you learn how to be consistently loving, you don't ever want to go back to anything else. And that's the way I feel now is that I'm more interested in being consistently loving than anything else. And it gets easier and easier and easier. So I'm going to take this breath together. We're going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to play a song. Thank you for bearing with me in my technical challenges. We got the Internet back, I think. I think, I think. So let's take that breath. So grateful and so thankful for the love of God out of which we are created. Thankful and grateful for divine insight, wisdom, and clarity flowing in our mind, in our hearts, in our awareness. We're grateful and thankful for divine joy moving through us. We are grateful and thankful to recognize that we are the love of God. We are the peace of God. We are the harmony of God. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to divine love and goodness. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to be a beneficial presence in every relationship in our life. We are grateful and thankful to honor and love our loved ones and to hold them in the highest. We're grateful and thankful to open our loving heart more fully and more completely than we ever have. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to infinite love flowing through us and as us. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all beings because we are one with them. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to play a song from the Agape Choir. Suzanne was... uh, still in the choir. I was in the choir for 11 years. We were choir mates together. And uh, the song is How Can I Serve? And it's by Ricky Byers Beckwith. How Can I Serve?
The moderator has left the conference.
The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.